0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, Best Game Cox Podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, April the 19th, 2021. Today's show. This baseball team just keeps on keeping on. Folks, I break down this weekend series. The Gamecocks take 2 of 3 from the LSU Tigers, losing on Thursday night 5 to 1, but winning the doubleheader Saturday by scores of 4 to 2 and 9 to nothing. Guys, I'll break it all down, give you guys my key takeaways. TSU's series MVP, slap dick of the weekend, who's hot, who's not, what's next for Carolina Baseball as the Gamecocks improve on the season to 10 and 5. In SEC play. Also, guys, we got some Saturday scrimmage takeaways. Guys, I'll go over just everything that Shane Beamer said after Game Cox so football scrimmage on Saturday. Also, it is spring game week. I'll give my thoughts a little bit on that. Guys, we got a pack show, news and notes to get into as well. Listener questions. We got a pack show here on a Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition, they're not a trucking company; they're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black-glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys. So a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, guys, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Hawks baseball rebounding from a game one loss to find a way to win two out of three, folks. That's the story in 2021. I hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, shows the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. We got a packed show here on a Monday. Hope y'all, first things first, had a fantastic weekend. I know mine was great, kind of weird, right on Sunday, not having a baseball game. The Thursday through Saturday series, I think, is cool, it's fun. But waking up on Sunday, it felt weird. It was like, wow, there's no game today. I mean, there were a lot of great rubber matches, by the way. Vandy in Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Again, a lot of teams, the Gamecocks are going to play this season. Clemson got swept, so what a great weekend that was. But, uh, again, hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Hope you had a relaxing Sunday as well. I will say it was kind of nice being able to just kind of kick back, do some work that I don't normally get to get to during the week, um, take care of some things, whatever, not have to stress – not have to stress over a Gamecocks baseball game. But again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I truly do appreciate it. Appreciate your love and support. I do want to say say one thing really quickly. I want to apologize to you guys, to everybody that tunes in, that looks forward to the content. I do apologize. We had technical issues um, on Saturday because I know a lot of people were confused and wondering, hey, Chris, why are you not tweeting? Why are you not live? What is going on? And trust me, guys, it was killing me. So we had some technical issues on Saturday with my phone, with the laptop, with everything, really. I was locked out of my Twitter account. Twitter went haywire for a second. um, And it was killing me, dude. Not being able to tweet live during the game, not being able to do the live stream watch-along. It was awful. But I can assure you guys, the issues have been rectified. They are fixed. We're good to go. Obviously, no live stream watch-along this week with all three games being at home. But uh, I wanted to apologize to you guys because, again, I I I – We messed up. We messed up as far as technical issues are concerned. I apologize. Everything is fixed now, though, but, again, will not happen again. Everything is taken care of, and I really do appreciate, like I said, you guys love and support through it all. Really, truly appreciate you guys being flexible with everything. With that being said, though, let's move right into it, guys. LSU Gamecocks taking two of three from the Bayou Bengals, of course, losing that Thursday game 5-1. to but rebounding as it feels like we've done time and time again this season, winning game one of the doubleheader on Saturday, four to two, and then exploding in game three to win nine to nothing. And guys, the first thing we have to start with diving into key takeaways is this, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've said this over and over and over again the last couple of weeks, but that win anyway, that battle mentality, the resiliency of this team strikes again and you just truly cannot say enough about this bunch you just you just can't you cannot say it you cannot say it there are a lot of teams in college baseball that are really talented that have good hitters that have good pitchers they've got nice pieces here and there but the the culture of this team and the resiliency and the toughness and the fight and the win anyway and the battle that's what separates good teams from great teams. It's what separates, you know, champions from the rest of the pack. It really is, you know, when you think back to 2010 and 2011, were those the most talented teams in the field? Not necessarily. No, especially 2010. You look at, no, they were not, but that's the characteristic they showed more than any was the battle was the win. Anyway, that was the characteristic they had. And that's what Gamecocks baseball showed you this past week. And again, I'm not going to lie to you guys after game one, I was a little nervous. You know, you go to Baton Rouge, really tough place to play. LSU, by the way, a really talented baseball team, in case you guys did not learn that from this weekend. Extremely talented ball club. They've got some really, really good players. They've got some fantastic young players. Landon Marceau is a legit stud on a Friday night. You know, Gavin Dugas, big-time hitter. Dylan Cruz, their top two guys in their lineup, big-time freshman bats. They've got talent. Like I told you guys last week, you don't go to play at LSU if you suck. Bottom line, you just don't. But this Gamecocks baseball team, losing game one in the fashion in which they lost it. And Friday obviously gets moved, gets bumped back to Saturday with a doubleheader, two seven-inning games, which I want to get into just a little bit more in just a second. But I think it helps South Carolina. I'll be totally honest. When that happened, when that decision happened to postpone Friday night, I said, you know what? I think we just dodged a bullet because having to play game two at night, at Alex Box, with the series on the line, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, damn, if this is going to be a game we're going to lose, it's going to be this one. You know, LSU with all the momentum right now, we can't hit for shit. We can't do anything at the plate. I was a little nervous. But that win-anyway mentality, I mean, the game two just exemplifies it, right? I mean, LSU had you dead in the water for 15 innings, for the first 15 innings of this series. You were done. You you were dead. Bats did nothing for you. Down two nothing going to that top of the seventh. And this team just refuses to quit. They refuse to go down without a fight. The huge swings of David Mendham, of Braylon Wimmer, you know, a big bunt in that seventh by Noah Myers, by the way, which which should not go underappreciated or unappreciated, I should say. Brady Allen, of course, just doing Brady Allen things. And of course, it, it was crazy. It's like you hit that you had that big four-run inning. All of a sudden, the, 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 there was the confidence. You know what I mean? There, there it was. Another takeaway, of course, let's move into this, guys. And I know a question that a lot of you have. Um, because I made the joke on Saturday that's like, you know what, hey, it's almost like overreacting after game one is a bad idea. Because we saw the same people, and I'm not going to say who it is, but the same people on social media after game one on Thursday, Thursday night. On Twitter, just, oh, this team's terrible. They can't hit. Kingston's not an SEC-caliber coach. He can't win in this league. I mean, just, like, clockwork. And my point on social media, guys, was this. It's like, dude, just let it play out. Like, are we going to do this every single weekend where we don't play well in game one, fans freak out, we find a way to win the series, and everybody's back on the bandwagon again? Like, stop making yourself look silly and just let it play out. Because this team has shown you. I've said it. Time and time again, it's not always going to be pretty. There's going to be times where this team frustrates the heck out of us. But you can never question this team's fight. You can never question this team's want to and this team's battle and this team's win anyway. You just can't do it. So, hey, you got beat on Thursday. But what is the issue in game one? I mean, a lot of people just want to know. They want a reason. They want to know what is wrong in game one. And my answer to you guys is this. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. I do not really know. Like, I, I don't have one specific thing that I point to and say, that's the problem. You know, poor Thomas Farr. I don't know who he pissed off when it comes to the baseball gods. But, I mean, why he seems to cannot get run support. I mean, listen, did Thomas Farr have his best stuff on? And I would say, I would say this. I would say this. Because, obviously, you know, without jumping too far ahead, you know, you look at this week, you have no midweek game, and you got Arkansas Thursday night at home. And so you look at that series and say, what does South Carolina need to do better? I mean, I think everybody needs to be better. Obviously, you've got to swing it better. Heck, I think Thomas Farr's got to be better. You know, he went five innings, four hits, two runs, two earned. Obviously, gave up those two earned runs on one swing of the bat, Gavin Dugas, but three walks and three strikeouts, and he had a hit-by-pitch, 96 pitches in five innings. He's got to be more efficient. You know, I, I talked to you guys about this last week, that Thomas Farr, in my mind, was going to be the guy that set the tone for you, not just in this ballgame, game, for this series. And, you know, again, while he's not pitching that poorly, right, and he would admit this too, and I'm sure Skylar Mead would and Kingston would, he has to do a better job of setting the tone. You know, you come out in that, that first inning, you get hit around a little bit, and again, it just throwing way too many pitches. You know, I think he had like 50 pitches through two innings. You know, got to find a way to be more efficient. Got to fill up the zone. Trust your stuff. I think the biggest thing with Thomas Farr, there are two things I see with Thomas Farr. Number one, I think a lot of times, you know, he's so fired up. He's so jacked up, he's so amped for the game and to pitch. He comes out a little, a little too excited. And you see him missing up in the zone. The location isn't quite as sharp. The stuff's not quite as sharp as a as a result. And he gets hit around a little bit or he walks guys early in the game. Location suffers immensely. I think the other thing, too, is at times, I think Thomas Farr maybe gets a little bit too. Tries to be a little too perfect. It's like, dude, your stuff is great. You throw 95, 96, breaking ball is insane. You got a good changeup. Trust it. Let it eat. Let it work. Trust your stuff. These are college hitters, man. You ain't got to be perfect to these guys. Trust your stuff. You don't have to do anything more than what you do. You know, settle the emotions, calm the mechanism, as they say, right? Silence the mechanism or whatever from the, for, for the love of the game. And just go pitch and just go play catch. You know, I don't know if maybe he's pressed a little bit or putting a little bit too much pressure on himself, but I will say this to fans that say, oh, you know, Chris, maybe we need to move Thomas Farr in the rotation, or God forbid there's some people that have said maybe we need to move him out of the rotation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This offense, this offense has got to do a better job. He's got to get help. One run on three hits, guys. Situational hitting was embarrassing on Thursday night. Second and third, one out, you get nobody in. Bases loaded, or excuse me, man on third with nobody out, you don't get him in. Bases loaded with nobody out, you only score one run. You got to be better. So the issues in game one, I think it's everybody. I think everybody has to be better. And I don't think it's a, you know, I, I God forbid I saw some people saying, oh, we're not trying as hard in game one. We're, we're not as focused or locked in, which is lunacy to be saying that. It's lunacy. And yes, the average on Friday is going to be worse, or game one is going to be worse on, in games two and three, because you're obviously facing that team's ace. I get it. But everybody's got to be better. Thomas Farr's got to be better. The bats have got to be better. Mark Kingston's got to be better. Everyone has to be better in game one. But I don't think there's one particular issue. Like, you know, moving Thomas Farr back in a weekend rotation, that's not going to solve your problems. It's, if, if anything else, if nothing else, it's going to create more problems, in my opinion. But so you have that rough game one. Game two is just as miserable. Going into the seventh inning, you're thinking to myself, my God. And I thought this team was dead, guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I was like, you know what? Okay, let's just try to salvage game two. You know, just take one and get out of here. But the bats come alive in the seventh, and it's just crazy to me. It's crazy how baseball, the game of baseball, all it takes is one inning. It just takes one inning to get momentum and get rolling. Because up to that point, you know, 15 innings, LSU had dominated you, right? LSU had flat-out dominated you. And I didn't do the numbers here, but Carolina had three hits in game one and then had, let's see, South Carolina had four hits in that top of the seventh. They had three hits going into the seventh inning. So they had six hits total through 15 innings, and it scored one run. In the seventh alone, you scored four runs on four hits. And then, obviously, game three, you exploded. It's crazy how just that seventh inning, all of a sudden, hey, get a couple of back-to-back knocks, Mendham, Burgess, bunt them over, finally somebody gets a big-time hit in Braylon Wimmer, which so happy to see it for him, obviously, battling the stuff with his family, and you know, he's been kind of struggling to get back after it. Thought you really saw him get back into form on Saturday afternoon. And then Brady Allen, like I said, guys, is doing what he does best with that clutch two-run double. But it's crazy how in baseball things can change in just one inning, and certainly didn't they do that. You know, the story with this team, guys, and why I don't freak out over Carolina is this. The Gamecocks have the same issue that I would say 95% of teams in college baseball have. Especially in the SEC, we'll just stick to the SEC. The Gamecocks have the same issue that most everyone in the SEC has. Most everyone in this league has elite pitching, or good enough pitching to win. Most everybody in the league does. The hitting and I've said this over and over, but the hitting, do you get enough from your bats? And what you're just going to have to do with this team guys, is understand, hey, we're not always going to hit. But the great thing about this team is we have pitching to keep us in every single Hey, tip your cat to Brandon Jordan for battling. Hey, for showing resiliency. He wasn't great early. Gave up a single run in the first and the second. He wasn't great. But he battled back, went four innings, three hits, two runs to earn. Had five walks, so uncharacteristic for him with location, uh, you know, struggles with location, but did have six strikeouts. And, of course, I thought Andy Peters and Brett Carey, what they did in relief, fantastic. And, again, you saw – you saw that from your pitchers all weekend long. Your pitchers more than did their job. I mean, guys, you give up seven runs in three games. You did your job on the mound. Bottom line, heck, you ought to sweep in that scenario, in my opinion. But of course, I'll take two out of three on the road any day of the week, especially when it's in Baton Rouge. But fans are just going to have to understand with this ball club hey, we're not, the hitting's not always going to be there. You got to be patient. It's going to come around. We're going to hit. We're going to hit at some point. But you got to be patient. I know it's going to be frustrating at times. I totally get it. I understand. I was frustrated, too. I was frustrated, too. But you got to trust at some point good hitters are going to hit. Speaking of good hitters hitting and great pitching, beating great hitting, another big takeaway for me, guys, again, like I told you going into the series, great pitching beats great hitting. And that's why I felt so confident about this USC ball club in this series. Because, you know, LSU obviously came in this series, 52 home runs, I believe, coming in, I think third in the country or something like that. They can swing it. LSU can swing it, no question. But I just feel confident every weekend, guys, when you're talking about Thomas Farr and Danny Lloyd and Andy Peters and Julian Bosnick and Brett Carey and just, you know, Will Sanders and that entire host of arms that you have. You know, we said it all preseason. One of the reasons, probably the number one reason I like this team so much for the first time in forever, you've got a legit pitching staff with depth. You've got arms on arms that are going to give you a chance to win every single weekend. And you saw that yet again. This team has legit talent on the mound. Legit talent on the mound. And, you know, moving into that, talking about the pitchers, See, I spin it a little bit differently because a lot of people watch Jordan and Sanders on, on, in games two and three of all these weekend series, and they say, oh, Thomas Farr's got to be moved back in the rotation. Guys, have you guys ever considered, you know what the last couple weekends have shown me is that not that anybody needs to get moved around. We are so fortunate right now in the sense of like, dude, our two and three, Jordan Sanders, are just that much better than everybody else's two and three. Like, that's one of the reasons we're winning these games two and three. Like, Will Sanders is better than any Sunday guy you are going to see. And, of course, I know you got Arkansas, Old Miss, Mississippi State. They're going to feature their guys on Sundays. But, like, Will Sanders is a Friday night guy. He is. He's going to be your Friday night guy next year. I damn near guarantee it. And Brandon Jordan, I mean, that's as good a Saturday guy or as good a game two guys you're going to find in the SEC. So... <laughs> That's what more so jumps out at me is I'm like, dude, our, our games two and three guys are incredible. I mean, they're absolutely incredible because we're hitting the games two and three guys. It's the aces that are giving us trouble. I mean, even look at LSU. And yes, they've had an injury. But, I mean, bro, they scrambled to find somebody to pitch that final game. And, and obviously, it didn't work out very well for them. So, I just, I don't know. I kind of spin it differently. You know, I, I, do I think Thomas Farr has thrown his best baseball? No, I have not. No, I do not. But he's going to stay in that Friday night role, guys. He's a Friday night guy. You know, a little bit of it is looks in the sense of having the stuff. You know, Thomas Forza got those 96, 97 with an exploding breaking ball. He has the look of, oh, that is a Friday night starter. That's an ace. That's your horse right there. But, again, great pitching beats great hitting, man. I I know there's probably going to come a weekend where we do not throw it as well as I would like or any of us would like, and we're going to have to find a way to outscore somebody. I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. But hell, I don't know when because this pitching staff is legit, dude. This pitching staff is so legit. I feel good about all three starters. I feel good about everybody we roll out of the bullpen. Like I I, I, I have not felt this confident in Gamecocks pitching in quite a while. And dude, just imagine if you can get Thomas Farr actually going. I mean, if you can get Thomas Farr back to his form like he was at Texas at Vandy, oh, my goodness. You know, we're talking about maybe the best weekend rotation or one of the best in the SEC. Another key takeaway for me, guys, like I said earlier, I I talked about this a little bit. How much did the Saturday doubleheader actually help South Carolina? Because when this was announced Friday night, I literally told myself, I was like, Dude, that is like the best thing that could have ever happened to us. I know it sucked, which, by the way, it was great Friday night getting to sit there and watch Ole Miss Mississippi State. Though, what an incredible game that was! By the way, what an incredible series too. And we're gonna play both of them, so it was fun to kind of get an early look at them, if you will. But, anyways, moving to that Saturday doubleheader, I think that helped this team out tremendously. Like, I don't think you can, I don't think you can you can overstate it how big that was. Because two seven-inning games for South Carolina, if you guys are wondering why they did that, by the way, apparently there's a rule in the SEC, you only get three days to play three. So they could not have played on Sunday for whatever reason. I have no idea what that is, but that's just the rule. But the Saturday doubleheader, you know, I looked at that and said two seven-inning games. And I mean, heck, Thursday, you only used Thomas Farr, Danny Lloyd, and then Phipps for an inning. And you had a night off on Friday. So you had everybody basically ready to go. You had pitching on pitching on pitching, so I knew going into Saturday. Okay, our arms are going to be there. We're, we're going to have a chance to win, just solely based on those guys on the bump. We are going to have a chance to win. But overall, um, you know, I, I just thought that doubleheader was huge. Honestly, in the series, I would have I would have been very nervous for a Friday night game them trying to win a series, all that momentum. I think that Saturday doubleheader certainly helped you. Another key takeaway for me, something, like I said, that went you know, back on the hitting side of things, that went a little under the radar. Braylon Wimmer, getting back on track, guys. I- I've talked about him a lot, and I think he's such a key piece of this lineup. I, I think he's such a key piece of this lineup, and, and a guy that-, that has such an impact for you, just has such an impact when it comes to you know, his speed, his power, and where does he fall in the USC lineup? And, guys, he talked about that after the Saturday game, the final game. And Braylon Wimmer had a quote about it. He said, quote, wherever I am, I'm going to contribute to this team. It don't matter where I am. When asked about, you know, getting shuffled in the lineup and how he feels, whatever, his confidence, whatever. Braylon Wimmer's a big-time ball player, and he can do it all. I mean, this is going to be a guy that scouts are going to love. He's got speed. He's got power. He can make plays in the field defensively. got a good arm. Getting Braylon Wimmer back on track, especially, uh, you know, ahead of this Arkansas series is so big for this lineup and so big for this team. Where should he bat? I I think he's a typical two-hole hitter. I love the combo of Allen and Wimmer at the top. I I get it if Mark Kingston wants to have sort of a quote-unquote double leadoff, if you will, with him in the nine-hole. But I don't know. I I I just feel like Wimmer is best served in that two-hole. And it's funny, in the preseason, I thought he was going to be your leadoff, but I didn't think he was going to have the type of power he's had this year. So that's been a pleasant surprise, of course. Somebody who's not having or didn't have a great weekend and is not having a great go right now is Wes Clark. Big bopper. Another rough weekend. People saying, Chris, what's wrong with him? Moving down the lineup. Hey, it's baseball, man. It's baseball. There's ups. There's downs. You're going to go through adversity. You're going to get hot. You're going to get cold. Right now, Wes Clark is cold. No question. He's cold. I think he continues to take good at bats. But he doesn't have anything to show for it. And it's, it's again, just it's crazy to me when you just see this lineup and this lineup just showed you, like, what they're capable of, the potential of it. You know, this lineup can look as bad as bad can get, like we saw Thursday and for most of Saturday, game one. But then you also saw just how great this lineup can be. You know, that seventh inning, you score four. And in game three, is a hit parade in Baton Rouge. You had 14 hits. 14 hits in a seven-inning game on the road to take a series. I mean, that just speaks for itself. And then you got a guy like Will Sanders who's just shoving. Give him confidence. He gets a lead. He can go right after guys. That stuff's going to eat, man. That stuff's going to play, bottom line. That stuff is going to play every single time. But I think Wes Clark will be fine. I do think Wes Clark will be fine. He's going through a little bit of a rough patch. It's baseball. It happens. The best hitters go through it. And again, West Clark is kind of a microcosm of this entire Gamecocks lineup. You just got to trust that at some point, good hitters are going to hit. Good hitters are going to find a way. At some point, they are. And that's the thing I've learned the most about this baseball team to this point. Because we have officially hit the halfway point for Carolina Baseball when it comes to the SEC schedule, with the Gamecocks now being at 10-5 and in SEC play. That's what I've probably learned most from this team, is that, you know what, this is a team, every single weekend, they're going to pitch it well enough to win. What do you get out of the hitters? You just got to trust as a fan. Again, like I said earlier, yes, it's going to be frustrating at times. You just got to trust as a fan, though. Those bats are going to come around. And you just hope they come around sooner rather than later. Because you can't just keep losing game one and get away with it, right? Like, baseball is a game... It's going to bite you at some point. You keep playing with fire, you're going to get burned eventually. And I really thought that going into this series against LSU, I'm like, damn, if you lose game one, this might be the weekend it finally hurts you, and it didn't. But you know that's going to be a focus going into this week against Arkansas. My final takeaway, guys, is this is just, again, this is just such a funny, stupid, hilarious, incredible game. You know, isn't it? The momentum of baseball, getting um Uncle Mo in your dugout. Because like I said, guys, the first 15 innings, Gamecocks couldn't do anything right. Nothing was going their way. Nothing was dropping. Not even a lot of hard contact. Nothing. This team was dead in the water through 15 innings. All of a sudden, I don't know what changed. I don't know what flipped. (laughs) Top of the seventh comes around. Boom, boom. Big time knock ties it. Boom, two-run lead. And then from there, like I said, it was on. You had 18 hits in the last eight innings of play. That's insane. And it's just crazy how one inning, one inning, one inning can change your fate. One inning can change your fortune. But again, when you have a pitching that keeps you in the ball game, South Carolina couldn't have won that game in game one if they didn't hold LSU to two runs, if you don't have the arms to keep you in it, keep you in it, keep you in it. You don't have a chance. And so that's – I mean, that's almost kind of become the identity of this ball club and, and not necessarily saying, I, you know, I want it to be. You know, I don't want to be – I don't want losing game one certainly to be the identity of this team. But the identity of this team is it's not an elite level hitting ball club by any stretch. It's a ball club with a lot of good hitters, I think. But, you know, they this, – this lineup, for whatever reason, goes hot and cold. It's, it feels like – it feels like when a couple of guys start hitting, everybody's hitting. And when nobody's hitting, nobody is hitting. Right, But you got the arms to keep you in it. The momentum of baseball, it's wild. The momentum of baseball is absolutely crazy. You just wonder, when no midweek game this week, by the way, with no midweek game, could that momentum carry over into this Arkansas series this weekend? Again, let's move into TSUS series MVP. And guys, this is one I kind of went back and forth on. But when I started to dive a little bit deeper and think about it a little bit more, I thought to myself, you know what? This guy's deserving, man, because it's not just about getting knocks. It's about getting timely knocks and knocks that you look back and say, wow, that was a big swing. That was a big swing. That one made a difference. That was a game saver. That was a game changer. And so my my TSUS series MVP is David Mendham, Davey Dingers, Davey Doubles. (laughs) What a weekend. How about old Davey Triples on Thursday night? Never thought I'd see the day that David Mendham got a triple. All due respect, Davey. I, I love you. Never thought I'd see today day where David Minham got a triple. Four for nine on the week and hit four forty four, One homer and two RBIs. But again, guys, like I told you, it's not just about getting knocks. It's getting those timely knocks. And the reason David Minham's getting this award, it's not just because he went four for nine with a homer and two RBIs. It's because of two swings. The leadoff single in the seventh of game one, which started the rally. You could argue if he doesn't get that knock, it never happens. So that leadoff single in the seventh in game one and then starting off game three the right way with a two-run bomb, by the way. A two-run bomb to get things going. Pitching, defense, and timely hitting. That's the third recipe. Timely hitting. It's what you didn't have on Thursday. Timely hitting. And David Menham certainly had that again. TSUS series MVP goes to Mr. David Mendham, a.k.a. Davey Doubles, a.k.a. Davey Dingers. Let's talk about the slapdick of the weekend, and this one falls on me. Hey, I'm taking the L. Slap dick of the weekend is technology for basically locking me out, and I didn't have the ability to tweet during the game. We didn't go live during the game, and I take the L on it. I take full responsibility. So, hey, slap dick of the weekend, congratulations, LSU. None of y'all got it. None of y'all deserved it more than the technology at the studio. So I guess good on you, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to take ownership. I'll hold the L slapdick of the weekend was technology. Again, I I can tell you guys this, like, am I unhealthily addicted to technology? I would say no, but I can also tell you this, like not being able to tweet the game Saturday was like, and, and, and do the live stream and just do my thing was the most like, that was like one of the worst experiences of my entire life. That was so awful. I, I tried logging into my Twitter and relogging in and logging in a hundred times. I'm not even joking. But anyways, we're back. We're back online. We're good. No biggie. We're back. But brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. So slap dick of the weekend technology. You deserve it. All right. Let's move into who's hot, who's not, guys. We're gonna start with who's hot. And I could have went past I could have went over the the past couple of games and, and given this guy the, you know. Accumulated his stats, if you will, but I'm just going to talk about what he did in Game Two on Saturday. But Will Sanders, folks, is scorching hot. Six innings pitched, five hits, no runs, no earn, one walk, and four strikeouts on Saturday in Game Two. Probably going to pick up another award this week. You probably it's already probably been announced by the time this show is dropped. But Will Sanders, I mean, it, it's just it feels so like oh ho hum at this point. Like what's so funny and awesome, by the way, about Will Sanders? It is so much fun to just watch this dude pitch because it looks so easy. <laughs> it, look, it looks so and, – and I knew, guys, I knew that it was just meant to be for Will Sanders and the Gamecocks when I think it was like the sixth inning. Pretty sure it was his final inning. You guys might remember the ground ball that went up the middle and it hit off of his foot and deflected right to David Mendham. And he tagged first. And it's like, you know what? When it's your day, when it's your weekend – it's just your weekend. It's just your day. If you're LSU there, you've, you've got to ask the baseball gods what you did to deserve that and just tip your cap. I mean, it just, you know, but but when you give a guy a lead, you know, when you talk about Will Sanders, when you give a guy a lead and he can pitch, you know, he only has two walks on the season. Guys, that is insane. When you throw 95 and you have an insane breaking ball. And you throw a lot of strikes and don't walk anyone? I mean, guys, 38 and a third innings pitch now. He has, excuse me, six walks. Okay, he has six walks. My bad. But 38 and a third innings, he has six walks on the year. That is insanity. That is insanity. 40 strikeouts to six walks. Folks, that is getting the job done. 6-1 and now with a 2.11 ERA. Who's hot? Mr. Will Sanders. Who's not? We talked about him earlier. We talked about him earlier. We got to talk about a little bit more. Wes Clark. Get these numbers because, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, oh, Wes is slumping, Wes is slumping. People don't even realize what his numbers have been. Over the last eight games, Wes Clark is just four for 27. Had one hit in Baton Rouge, but he's four for 27. A 148 average in his last eight games with just three RBIs. Guys, get this. Here's what's even crazier. He has not homered since the Saturday game at Georgia, which was on April the 3rd. It has been over two weeks since this man hit a bomb. Now, like I said, am I worried about Wes Clark? Absolutely not. Hey, great hitters are going to hit. Great hitters will find a way to hit, and Wes Clark is a great hitter. He will get back going He will get back in his groove. He'll get back to doing his thing. There's no need to move him in the lineup. A great hitter is going to figure it out, but it's just baseball. Hitting a round ball with a round bat. You're going to go into slumps. bottom line. You're going to go into slumps. So, Wes Clark, for me, you get the who's not. Four for 27 in your last eight games. But, again, who knows, man? This weekend against Arkansas, maybe it could be a big one for him where he gets back on track. The Gamecocks could certainly – Use it. And what's next for of Baseball? I just mentioned there's no midweek game this week. No midweek. But arguably, the I mean, this has got to be the biggest series in quite some time for of Baseball, certainly in Columbia. As the Gamecocks welcome the Arkansas Razorbacks to Columbia. Thursday through Saturday, I mean, it's going to be an incredible weekend for college baseball. Like I said, guys, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, so the rankings haven't come out, but certainly the Gamecocks are going to be a top-10 team. Arkansas right now is, what are they, ranked number one? Top five? Certainly they're top five. I don't have the rankings pulled up right now in front of me. But, uh, and Arkansas is actually, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look right now. They're playing game three against Texas a and They're up three to one in the top of the third, going for the sweep in that one. So they'll probably get the sweep. And will most likely come into that series because they have a, they actually have a midweek with Grambling State on Tuesday, which shouldn't be a problem. So they'll most likely come into this weekend, uh, excuse me, 12 and three in the conference, not having lost a series, and probably going to be 32 and five overall. So, you know, a top 10 matchup at Founders Park, and the Gamecocks are still trying to keep up with Vandy and Tennessee in the SEC East race. They're right behind both of them. I mean, as big a weekend for counter baseball as there's been in years. I mean, honestly, huge, huge series. And it really, you know, I already talked about the gauntlet 2.0 that I think included LSU. But the gauntlet continues with Arkansas this weekend, at Ole Miss next weekend, and Mississippi State at home the following weekend. So, part one of that is done. Taking two out of three from LSU. What can you do against Arkansas again? No midweek game. Everybody's going to be rested up. Arms are going to be good to go. And it should be an incredible atmosphere. The Rowdy Roosters will be out in full force this weekend against the Arkansas Razorbacks. P.S. Ray Tanner. Increased capacity. Did anybody else see the dude this weekend? How awesome that atmosphere was? Did anybody else see the dude? Come on. Just give us 50%. Whatever. That's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. By the way. Huge series upcoming this weekend against Arkansas Raiders. That's going to do it all, guys, for me, for the breakdown of that series. Again, another great series dub of the Gamecocks. Anytime, like I told you guys, you go on the road. I don't care who you're playing, but especially LSU, you go on the road to Baton Rouge and Alex Box, you take two out of three, you had a great weekend. You did your job, and this team continues to battle. This team continues to fight, and this team continues to just find a way and to win anyway, and it's a lot of fun. To watch, that's for sure. All right, let's move on the football side of things, guys. Just really quickly, I do want to touch on it because, again, it is spring game week. The spring game this Saturday at 2 o'clock, Williams-Brice Stadium. We're going to have a ton of coverage, a ton of preview stuff. I'm going to be breaking everything down going into the spring game this Saturday. But I do want to talk about just really quickly, like I said, touching on it, um, Shane Beamer and his comments from um, from the scrimmage that happened over the weekend. You know, overall, like I said, I'm not a guy, and and there's a reason why I said this on Friday. I'm not a guy that puts a ton of stock into spring practice because it, it is what it is, right? They're, they're installing a lot. They're evaluating personnel. A lot of it is fundamentals. You know, they're just trying to – really, this spring, I think Shane Beamer and company and that coaching staff are just trying to learn the players on their roster. But, uh, you know, you, you don't want to get over – amped or overexcited or whatever. even with the spring game this Saturday, you know, it feels like every year it's clockwork in the spring game. There's one guy that stands out or has a great game, does this, does that. And you never hear from him again, right? It is what it is. But Shane Beamer, the thing I thought was really interesting from his comments talked about the offense and the lack of explosive plays and they want to see more explosive plays. And again, none of us were at the scrimmage. We have no idea, but I do love like, I just, Thinking ahead to South Carolina football this fall, we should be pretty damn good offensively. Would anybody disagree? You know, I know wide receiver is obviously a huge question mark, but when you talk about the running back tandem you have in Lloyd and Harris, and I think Luke Doty's a more than capable quarterback, and just the overall mindset shift with Shane Beamer and Satterfield, what they want to run, I think you ought to be able to score points this year. And I think that's going to be the goal. You know, again, Shane Beamer comes from a place like Oklahoma where they scored in bunches. Scored in bunches, and he even mentioned that on Saturday, saying, "No, I came from Oklahoma. Maybe I'm a little bit spoiled. We had playmakers. We had guys on the field making plays, explosive plays. You know, he also mentioned the front seven, which I, I think you know I've heard about more than once this spring. I think it'll probably be on full display Saturday in the spring game. But the Gamecocks, that that's probably in my mind the the best position group, the best position unit on this football team, is." That defensive front. And the great thing also here is nobody got hurt. Nobody's really that seriously banged up. I thought it was interesting they said Ortrey Smith did not participate. You know, you, you just wonder, man, can that guy ever get healthy? Can he be healthy? We all want to see him on the field. We're all pulling for it. But at some point, it's like, can you stay healthy? Being, staying healthy and being healthy, that's part of being a great football player. A great athlete is staying healthy. Can he be healthy? You know, but overall, other than that, you know, I like. I thought it was kind of funny, Shane Beamer joking about the tight end position. You know, people saying, throw it to the tight end more, and Beamer saying, you know, everybody wants to use the tight end more. They're going to use the tight end, and I think the Gamecocks are certainly going to use the tight end this year with Nick Muse and Jaheim Bell and Kevion Mullins and EJ Jenkins, and you got plenty of guys at that position. You got plenty of guys at that position that that can make an impact for you. But overall, good stuff on the football field. Obviously, spring game this weekend. Um, like I said, I'm going to have a ton of, of content, coverage, everything. We're going to preview the spring game. I'm, I'm thinking about even doing like a pregame live on Saturday, which should be a lot of fun. Um, it, it's just great. It's going to be great to get back in a Willie B. Expanded capacity, too, of 15,000. So, even more Gamecocks in the building. So, it's going to be a lot of fun to just get back in the building and, and take it all in and see the new guys and all that. But uh, cra- it's kind of crazy, too, that spring football practice is already coming to a close. Like, this is the last week of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it sounds like it's been a successful spring. Guys are healthy. Guys are, guys are getting acclimated to the system and to the culture and – you know, guys are battling for positions, battling for jobs, and that'll continue, I think, through the summer and, of course, fall camp as well. All right, let's move into news and notes, guys. Then we'll get in your listener questions. Uh, the ESPN FPI, which is the Football Power Index, I just wanted to mention this really quickly. We put it on social media, but it's putting South Carolina football at four and a half wins. Four and a half wins for this 2021 season. And does the FPI really mean anything? Not really. Not really. But it is a pretty decent indicator of what Vegas is going to do. And I, I thought Vegas would probably have South going at five wins over under. But I would ask you guys, is that disrespectful? Is that a slap in the face? Or is it just about right where South of should be? I think five is the number. I mean, four and a half to me feels a little low. But, you know, hey, you got to prove it. Brand-new head coach. He lost a ton defensively, unknowns offensively. Got to go prove it. So ESPN-FBI, Gamecocks football, bought four-and-a-half wins for Shane Boomer's first season. Also, guys, on the women's basketball side of things, Dawn Staley's squad got great news when Lele Grissett announced she is going to be back next season. Great news for Dawn Staley. Obviously, she missed due to an injury, but great to get her back. Um, A really big-time piece. A really big-time piece. And someone I'm really excited to watch next season. All right, guys, let's get into listener questions. We do have a lot of good questions. We're going to start first. My buddy Harrison Fant sent me over a question, actually texted it to me. He says, talk about the SEC Gauntlet 2.0 of Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. He also says, "Was this weekend series more of an LSU meltdown slash missed opportunity, or USC waking up and taking advantage?" Uh, the second question first. I think it was a mix of both. I mean, certainly, you know. I but here's the thing: in game two, did LSU melt down? I mean, not really. I mean, dude, they had their guy on the bump? They had their guy, did they not? I mean, they had Devin Font. No, that's the guy you want out there. And Labus had been great for you all day. I think the Gamecock bats just finally woke up. And in Game Three, I, I don't think you'd say LSU melted down. They has got their asses whooped. I mean, like I said, it's crazy. It's just wild how in the game of baseball, you know, South Carolina was dead for 15 innings. That 16th inning came around and just something clicked, man. Some I don't I don't know something just clicked. Of course, offensively, something clicked and you found a way to get the job done. So I think it was. It was a mix, but I think it was more South Carolina just finally woke up and, you know, finally got the bats going and took advantage of the opportunity, bottom line. And then, of course, he asked about the SEC Gauntlet 2.0, which, again, we talked about that a little bit last week. I mean, you know, you're going to really find out over the next three weeks the type of ball club you have. And I said counting, because I counted LSU in that gauntlet, that 2.0, with at LSU, Arky at home, at Ole Miss, MSU at home. If you could go six and six in that stretch, which is on average you won three out of four series, you will sign up for that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Again, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are all in the top five. So, you know, I mean, this is just a t- just as tough a stretch as Texas, Vandy, Florida was, if not tougher. To be honest. So 6-6 and is certainly still in play. You're 2-1 and right now. And I think the thing you like the most is Arkansas and Mississippi State both being at home. That's the big thing. You like that being at home. So, you know, hey, you come to the SEC to play in this league and, and, and to play that type of competition and to go up against the best, and certainly South Carolina will be doing that over the next three weekends no question um couple more questions here jordan portillo 93 what a game two way to get the series dub boys hashtag go cox indeed crusty andy what do you think about the four and a half over under for football no filter he says crusty andy do i ever have a filter come on now um well no filter doesn't mean shit really at the beginning of you know at the end of the day it doesn't really mean anything you know, I just think South Carolina football – South Carolina football is not going to get the benefit of the doubt from national pundits. We feel good about South of football and what's going on with Shane Beamer and what's going on behind closed doors. We're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt from anybody, which is fine. Like, we really don't deserve respect when you think about it. Do we have some capable ballplayers coming back? Sure. But the schedule is still the schedule. You still have to play Clemson, Georgia, Florida, A&M, Auburn, Tennessee, Missouri. I mean, you still have to play that schedule. And you're not going to get any love from the national pundits. And again, like I said, do you really deserve it? Does four and a half feel a little low? Yeah. But we're almost kind of splitting hairs because what's better, five? I mean, it's a half. Maybe five and a half, maybe, but that to me would feel a little high. I think five and a half would probably actually be the perfect number because it makes a gambler pick five or six. And I think that's where this team's going to fall this year. They're either six and six or five and seven. It's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. So I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Let's go prove them wrong to hell with them. Let's see. Eric.mobster74 says, What's something you want to see out of the spring game? Well, like I told you guys, I don't get over excited from a guy balling out in the spring game. The number one thing I don't want to or I want to see out of the spring game is just nobody get hurt. I don't want to see any injuries. You know, the last time we had the spring game. Keel Pollard, remember two years ago, went down with a leg injury. He never played for South Carolina again. So you want to avoid that. You know, everybody come out healthy. That is the number one goal. The thing I'm most looking forward to, though, probably, guys, and I'll I'll talk about it more later this week, of course, though, is probably I'd say just seeing the new guys. You know, there's so many new transfers due to Marion Brown at wide receiver, EJ Jenkins, Jason Brown, uh, you know, Debo Williams on the defensive side, Jordan Strawn, um you know, Marcellus dial. I mean, there's a lot of guys that transferred in that are going to help you. That are going to help you. You know, I want to see the front seven. Of course, we all want to see the quarterbacks. We want to see Luke Doty. You know, I want to see Kevin Harris. He probably won't play a ton, but I want to see Kevin Harris. I'm sure Marshawn Lloyd will just do non-contact stuff. He won't play in the game. I want to see the wide receiver position. Cause like I said, no, it doesn't really matter what you do in the spring game, right? Not really, but does anybody start to emerge? And, Build some momentum for, for going through the offseason. Maybe you look and you say, hey, maybe that's a guy. Maybe that's going to be a dude for you. Because right now, you don't have a number one wide receiver. Nobody has any clue that guy is. Does that guy, does anybody start to separate themselves? That's the big question I've got. Does anybody start to separate themselves at that position? So, again, there's a ton to look forward to. There's a ton to you know, to dive into in and to preview and to break down. we're going to do all of that later this week, guys. I can assure you that. Last question or last statement. Trip underscore zero five says, we just can't not lose a series. And I know you kind of phrase that weird, but I do get what you're saying. Um, no, it's this team, man, it's incredible. I, you know, like I said, you, you don't want to, you, it's not something you, you necessarily want to continue. Because like I said, you keep playing with fire long enough. At some point, it's going to burn you. Right At some point, you're going to lose a game one, and then you're going to lose a series. Like You're not just going to win Saturday, Sunday, or games two and three every single week. But like I said, you can question many things about this team. You you can get frustrated. You can get pissed off. you, You can kick and scream. But the one thing you cannot question about this ball club is their toughness, their heart, their character, their fight, their win anyway, their battle. That is something they have shown time and time again. This team has it. They have that. And that's a great thing to build your ball club around. It's a great thing to build your ball club around for sure. Uh, last question here actually comes from Twitter. At Austin three one zero three nine six five eight says, how long do you think the West, West the Hammer Clark will be in his cold slump? I, I would not be surprised if West Clark didn't have a big weekend this weekend. I don't know. I have a good feeling about it. Coming back home, hitting at Founders Park. Our guys love to hit at Founders Park, including West Clark. I'd almost bank on it. He will have a home run this weekend. So, who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong, but uh, I don't know. I feel good about West Clark. So, again, guys, thank you for the listener questions. That's going to do it for that. And that's going to do it for us here on a Monday, guys. No guest interview. Um, going to have my buddy on later this week. He had to move some things back, shift some things around on a Sunday. So, no interview today. But we got some great conversations upcoming this week for you guys. Also, of course – The podcast, Monday through Friday, the Daily Crow, Monday through Friday, noon to one. Also might have a little special pregame show on Saturday for the spring game. So please be sure to stay tuned for that. But again, guys, a huge week in Columbia, South Carolina. The content is rolling. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.